Open your Bibles tonight to Isaiah 51. Rod, thank you, thank you. Where did Rod go? Thank you so much. Um, Isaiah 51 tonight. Still in the sermon series when people are big and, and God is small. Uh, all through the Psalms especially, one of the I- incredible words of praise or admonitions to praise is that phrase, uh, magnify, magnify God, magnify the Lord with me, that the psalmist says. What does it mean to magnify? Yeah, to make bigger, yeah, to make bigger. So very truly, all through Scripture, there is that, that admonition, the recognition that we have this need always to magnify God in our lives, to, to, to make him bigger. Now, why must we make him bigger? Is it because he's just so small and, and we need special glasses to make him look bigger? No, it's simply that in our lives, we have a tendency not to understand how great he is. We just seem always to be forgetting what a great, great God he is. This morning, and again on Sunday night, I've done it as well, the incredible desire just to, to teach people that they can feel God's presence, that they can believe and live in God's presence, it, it is fundamental to the, to the Christian life. And yet so many people, for, for them that's just simply foreign to acknowledge his presence and, and live in his presence. It's simply the, the beginning. Scripture says that to fear the Lord, to, to fear him, is, is the beginning of wisdom, the, the beginning of, of, of simply everything. One of the interesting parts about the Jacob story in the Old Testament is that in, in one little bitty place, Lincoln, you miss it, it, it gives God a name that's not really mentioned anywhere else, nowhere else in all of the Old Testament or the New Testament, and that name is simply one word, fear. In in that one place in the Jacob story, God is called the the fear of Isaac. The fear. Interesting. The the fear. God is fearsome. Now, he's good, and he's loving, and he's beautiful, but, but, but fearsome. And truly, if we want to get past our fear of others, our fear of people, then we have to learn the fear of God. And all through Scripture, there is that as well, the admonition to be learning the fear of God. It's not something that we're born perhaps doing. It's something that we often forget to do, but it's also something we can grow in. We grow in the fear of the Lord. So tonight, as we're trying to get past our fear of people and and the fact that people are often so big, I want us to magnify God, and I want us to learn the fear of God. And Isaiah 51 is a really good, really good chapter for that. 16 verses. Uh, We'll look at these together and then talk about some verses uh, as we go. Uh, Get ready to read with me and talk back to me, and uh, and let's learn the fear of the Lord together. Uh, Isaiah 51, verse 1. Listen to me, all who hope for deliverance, all who seek the Lord. Consider the rock from which you were cut, the quarry from which you were mined. Literally what that says is the hole from which you were dug, okay? Uh, the, The hole from which you were dug. Yes, think about Abraham, your ancestor, and Sarah who gave birth to your nation. Abraham was only one man when I called him, but when I blessed him, he became a great nation. The Lord will comfort Israel again and have pity on her ruins. Her desert will blossom like Eden, her barren wilderness like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found there. Songs of thanksgiving will fill the air. Listen to me, my people. Hear me, Israel, for my law will be proclaimed and my justice will become a light to the nations. My mercy and justice are coming soon. My salvation is on the way. My strong arm will bring justice to the nations. 
All distant lands will look to me and wait in hope for my powerful arm. Look up to the skies above and gaze down on the earth below. For the skies will disappear like smoke. And the earth will wear out like a piece of clothing. The people of the earth will die like flies. But my salvation lasts forever. My righteous rule will never end. Listen to me, you who know right from wrong, you who cherish my law in your hearts. Don't be afraid of people's scorn. Don't be afraid of their insults. For the moth will devour them as it devours clothing. The worm will eat at them as it eats wool. But my righteousness will last forever. My salvation will continue from generation to generation. Wake up. Wake up, O Lord. Clothe yourself with strength. Flex your mighty right arm. Rouse yourself as in the days of old. When you slew Egypt, the dragon of the Nile. Are you not the same today? The one who dried up the sea, making a path of escape through the depths so that your people could cross over? Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear, and they will be filled with joy and gladness. I, yes, I am the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans who wither like the grass and disappear? Yet you have forgotten the Lord. You get that? You're afraid of humans, but you've forgotten the Lord, your creator, the one who stretched out the sky like a canopy and laid the foundations of the earth, will you remain in constant dread of human oppressors? Will you continue to fear the anger of your enemies? Where is their fury and anger now? It's gone. Soon all you captives will be released. Imprisonment, starvation, and death will not be your fate. For I am the Lord, your God who stirs up the sea, causing its waves to roar. My name is the Lord of heaven's armies, the Lord of hosts. And I have put my words in your mouth and hidden you safely in my hand. I stretched out the sky like a canopy and laid the foundations of the earth. I am the one who says to Israel, you are my people. Go back with me. Let's, let's dig into verse 1. Dig in. That's not a pun. Oh. What does it mean? Consider the rock from which you were hewn, the rock from which you were cut. What does that mean? The rock from which you were cut. It's some sort of analogy here. Obviously, you weren't really cut out of a rock. What, what's, the, what's the encouragement here? Asking us to have a certain shift in perspective, a change in perspective that comes when we remember some things. And the first thing is to remember the rock from which you've been cut. What's the Bible saying here? What's, what's God saying? Yeah, Joe Neal. Yeah, it certainly has, and obviously in the scripture, verse 2, yes, think about Abraham, your ancestor. Think about Sarah, who gave birth to your nation. Abraham was only one man when I called him, but when I blessed him, he became a great nation. Yeah, there is this sense that, that God wants the people, wants you and me to think back and remember where we come from. And certainly there is that idea that, that we have ancestors in faith. 
And we should remember that. We were cut out of something bigger than ourselves, something that was here before we got here and will probably be here after we're gone, something larger. We were cut out of a, a rock, so to speak. The, the next phrase, consider the rock from which you were cut, the hole from which you were dug. That's what the Hebrew literally says. You were dug out of a hole. It doesn't sound very nice. I was dug out of a hole. It's kind of like when my mama said, we found you in the cabbage patch, you know, kind of thing. It's not a very glorious beginning. I was dug out of a hole. Again, we're learning the fear of the Lord, and part of that is to shift your perspective. And the first admonition here is to consider where you come from. Think about the hole from which you were dug. It's this wonderful, wonderful way that God wants to continue to help us to to sort of become small because we have a tendency to magnify ourselves and our importance. We have a tendency to imagine that we are the center of things, not a part of something, but we want to think that we are the something. We are all this, and we're not. We're not. And this is why one of the first steps in learning the fear of God is just stopping to recognize that it did not start with you. Nothing really started with you. What God has been doing in the world was going on way before you got here. And if he tarries in coming, it'll continue to go on after you're gone. You're not all that. You're just not. And I'm not either. We want to make things about ourselves, but none of this is about ourselves. And so part of learning to magnify God is knowing how to make ourselves small. I'm not trying to bruise your self-esteem. I'm not trying to ruin your ego. I'm just trying to put things in real perspective. God is great. He is a great and awesome God. But as long as you and I continue to walk around thinking we are awesome, then obviously our scales for measuring awesome are really off. Understand? So if we're learning the fear of God, the first thing we have to do is just go back to where we were when he found us. Go back to the hole that he dug us out of. Remember where you come from. And remember who it was who cut you out and dug you out. It it is the Lord. It is the Lord. He is great. He is good. And he wants you to remember. Now, to tie this together, go back to Deuteronomy. Book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4, verse 9, and then while you're there, go to chapter 31, put your finger there. I want you to look at these admonitions here from from Deuteronomy, these instructions from the law. Deuteronomy, chapter 4, verse 9. Watch out. Be, Be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live and be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. Never forget the day when you stood before the Lord your God at Mount Sinai where he told me, summon the people before me and I will in person instruct them. Then they will, what? Learn to fear me as long as they live and they will teach their children to fear me also. You see this remembering what you've seen. Remember what God has done for you. It's, it's, it's ingredient to learning to, to fear God. Now flip over to, uh, to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Same idea but slightly different. Chapter 31 verse 12. Call them all together, men, women, children, and the foreigners living in your towns, so they may, 
Hear this book of instruction and learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully obey all the terms of these instructions. Do this so that your children who have not known these instructions will hear them and will learn to fear the Lord your God. There it is again. Do this as long as you live. So understand, there's this very important responsibility for every one of us to remember things, to remember what we have seen of God, of his greatness, of his faithfulness, what we have known of of his presence. You've got to remember these things because you have a responsibility to pass them on. Now, one of the saddest observations that you can make for our church at the present moment, this moment right here, is that it's mostly old people here. No offense to present company. But do you understand? When the scripture says over and over and over, your responsibility is to pass it on to the next generation. Do you understand? That means that everything we do, it's less about us. Those of us who know this story, it's not about our getting together and just telling each other this story. We have a responsibility to pass it on. And if we're not passing it on to the next generation, then we are failing. We have to teach the next generation and the next generation to fear God. Did you understand that? Those of us who know God and those of us who've been in the faith, we have this tendency to want to take it back over for ourselves, to to freeze a moment, our glory days or or the church's glory days. But you understand, there's no such thing as our glory days. We have no glory. But perhaps we've seen something of God's glory And what we might know of God's glory, we are charged to communicate that and pass it on so that our children will know God's glory. Did you understand that? And so it is very, very important for our church, very, very important that we are always reaching the next generation. Always. It's what makes that building sitting out there very, very, very important. It's why it's called the the next wing. Understand? It's for the next generation, always the next generation. The next generation is always a little bit weird, no offense. They're always a little bit weird, and their music is always a little too loud, and I'm now at the point where I can't understand the words. Oh, oh my goodness. But you know what? You know what? It is still so very, very important, very, very important that I meet them, that I go as far as I can to reach them. Because it's what the Scripture says. They have to learn to fear God too. And if we don't find a way to bring them in and keep them in the family of God, then guess what? This church is going to be dead in about 65 funerals. It's always about the next generation, always. They've got to learn to fear him too. And they're going to learn the fear of God from us. We have to fear God. We have to fear him more than we fear people. God has to be more real to us than than everything else in the world is real to us. We have to pass that on. We have to remember and we have to teach our kids to remember. And beyond that, it's not just about our memories. It's also about the book. It's also about scripture. Make sure that they hear the scriptures, that they hear this book of instruction, and that they learn to fear God, and that they learn to obey. You see, those things go together. Scripture, fearing God, and obeying. Often scripture is preached, but since there's no real fear of God, there's no obedience. 
And in your life, if you're wondering whether or not you really fear God, the really best barometer for that is, is your obedience. Are you obedient to what the Bible teaches? Are you obedient to the Spirit of God? Are you becoming more like Christ every day? Do you understand? When you fear God, there is obedience. Real obedience to his word and real immediate obedience to his voice. So in the process of learning to fear God, we, we, we want to bring generations together. and We want the folks who've seen and heard of God's faithfulness to tell their stories. And we want the next generation to hear that story and then pass those stories along with the stories that they uh, gather along their own lives of following God and fearing him and, and obeying him. Go back to Isaiah with me. Go back to verse 6. I, I, I love this. This is also good. Isaiah 51 verse 6. Look up to the skies above, gaze down on the earth below. Who's ever been in an airplane? Who was brave enough to look out the window? Yeah. What's it like? Yeah, it, it, it's absolutely unbelievable. I was probably, what, 20 years old before I flew in my first airplane. I, I just, I, I tried not to look like a total moron because everybody else looked like they flew all the time, but I was just... You know, out the window, it was stormy and cloudy on the day when we left Nashville Airport, and it never just dawned on me. It never crossed my mind that, that you know, you fly above clouds. I don't know where I thought airplanes flew, but, but, but that you could fly above that, that you could punch right through the storm clouds and then be in, in this incredible beauty of the sky. And, and then when the clouds part, you can see the sky just forever, infinite sky. And it seems to get darker. It's almost like you're seeing the edge of space. And then you look down to the earth, and it's beautiful. Now, down here, it just looks kind of sloppy and messy. And, you know, Claude's got an awful video to show you the flood in his backyard right now tonight. But, but if you go up and look down, it, it all looks orderly. It looks beautiful. You know, my house from way above, it looks great. Just don't come down. It's square and lines and roads and farmland and trees. It's just so beautiful. It's just so beautiful. Looking at it, you would have no idea that what? The skies will disappear like smoke. The scientists will tell you that that's not possible. <laughs> the sky will disappear like smoke and the earth will wear out like what? Yeah, like a, like a pair of Matt Betts blue jeans. Just going to wear out, full of holes. There you go. Yeah, yeah. we, we see your knee bone there, buddy. Uh, yeah, it just wears out. That, that's amazing because nothing seems more permanent. Nothing seems more stable than the sky and, and the earth. I mean, than this planet. But, but there's a very important point being made here. Look up to the skies above. Gaze down the earth below. The skies will disappear like smoke. The earth will wear out like a piece of clothing. And here you go. This hurts so bad. The people will die like flies. We're talking about us. Now, please, when you preach my funeral, avoid that verse. Died like a fly. Yeah. Oh, my. The people of the earth will die like flies. I, I don't want to think about it like that. I, I don't want to think about my life being... No, no more significant than the life of a fly. 
I mean, but the earth itself, the sky itself, it's all so temporary. It doesn't seem that way to us, but see, that's where we need the shift in perspective. Our perspective is not the true perspective. God's perspective is the only perspective that counts. And he says, people of the earth will die like flies, but my salvation lasts forever. My righteous rule will never end. Do you understand how we need to magnify God? Understand how we need a a new perspective on on, on what lasts a long time because nothing down here lasts a long time. Not your life, nothing. But God is eternal and his plan to save us and love us, it will never, ever run out. He's a great God. He is a, a magnificent God. He is an eternal God. You and I, in our finite minds, we cannot imagine his infinity, his eternity. It simply doesn't compute. That's why in all of our lives, we're continuing to learn the fear of him because our brains just cannot contain him. We cannot contain his, his greatness Listen to me, you who know right from wrong. Verse 7, you who cherish my law in your hearts, do not be afraid of other people's scorn. Don't be afraid of their insults. Here you go. For the moth will devour them as it devours clothing. The worm will eat at them as it eats wool. But my righteousness will last forever. My salvation will continue from generation to generation. You understand, it's just the obvious question. It's what this sermon series is is about from beginning to end. Why are you worried about people? Why do you even give their thoughts a a second thought? Why do you change uh, your life in order to please them? Because they don't matter. They don't matter like God matters. Do, Do you see that? They don't last. That they just don't last. Those people that today are all about you and they're up in your face and they're criticizing you. Do you understand? They're going to forget all about you in a day or two. People are crazy and people are fickle and people simply are not eternal, not like God is. They're going to be gone. They're all going to be gone. It's really strange. I remember a Sunday night when I was probably, I don't know, six, seven years old. And I was born in this, in this gap at church. And if you've ever been in a small church, you understand it. There are, there are baby booms at churches where, like, all of a sudden, you know, 15 women are pregnant and they all have babies. And then those kids kind of grow old together. You know what I'm talking about? I was, I was, as Paul says, one untimely born. I wasn't born in one of those baby booms at our church. So there was never really anybody my age. Everybody was either younger or older. So being, you know, being me, I, I assumed I belonged in which group? The older group, yeah. Now, in my mind, I was, I was as old as they were and as cool as they were, but in their minds, yeah, nerd alert, you know, I was just a geek. And I'll never forget the night that, that they called me outside to come out and play with them, which was really cool because they never did that. They were running me off, but they, they called me outside. And I went out, and as soon as I came out, one of the guys grabbed me, Turned me upside down, put me in a trash can, walked off. Yeah. Oh, it was horrible, horrible. I came back in church. Uh, uh, if anything like that ever happened to you, I was just sort of shaking, but I was trying to act like it didn't bother me, but I was scared. You know what I mean? I was just really scared. Uh, and uh, somebody said, what happened to you? And I said, nothing, nothing, but I had like potato peelings in my hair. And so, I mean, I had been upside down in, in, in a trash can. Um, 
I'll never forget the guy who did that. I'll, I'll never forget the, the guy who, who actually handled me and put me in the trash can. But I also found that the day he died was really strange for me. Because he didn't live long. He, he died. And it was really strange, just strange to think about it. And I can't explain it. But just to know that, that a guy who had put me in that place and, and treated me in that way, I know it seems childish, but, but I was a child. Um, just to know that he, he died. Um, I'd long ago forgiven him. It, it, it was just not even a question, but just something really strange about the fact that someone like that in my life had just died. He, he's just gone. Um, just keeps things in perspective. Um, nobody lasts forever. None of us live forever. And, and the people that you fear, the people that you long to please even, you understand, they are not eternal. Uh, they won't be around forever. You may outlive them, they may outlive you, but, but, but this is the point. Everything that has to do with this life is, is just uh, the briefest of things. Only God lasts forever. Only his glory lasts forever. Only God was here when it all was created and will be here when it all disappears like smoke. Only God. He is such a big God. Why are you afraid of humans down verse 13, I'll close. I, yes, I'm the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans? They wither like grass and disappear. You know, again, he says it again. Why are you afraid of them? Yet you've forgotten the Lord, your creator, the one who, okay, stop. Get ready for this because, get ready. The one who stretched out the sky like a canopy. Okay, what's a canopy? They just built one on the building there, there next door. It's, it's just that part that sticks out. They, they knocked that up in about a day. It's kind of impressive. But, but, but we're talking about the God who, who put the sky out like a canopy like that, a covering over the planet, this God. So understand this question. It, it is so out of proportion. You're afraid of people. You worry about what people think of you. You, you fear people. But you forget your creator, the one who stretched out the sky like a canopy. It's just unbelievable because creation is, is so far beyond our imaginations. We are so small and the universe is, is, is so big. Uh, our church is having a prom here in a couple of weeks. I can't wait for that. I, I remember our old high school proms at Warren Central. They were glorious. One of the things you always did back in our day, and y'all can, we were lame, but we didn't know we were lame. Uh, we would turn out all the lights in the cafeteria. You, you had prom in the cafeteria. Turn all the lights in the cafeteria. And then we would hang stars that we made out of aluminum foil. We would hang them from strings in the cafeteria. And then we'd turn out the lights. And, and then that night would come in, they have spotlights. And all those, those aluminum foil stars would twinkle. And we just walk in and go, golly. It was the most beautiful thing in the world, those little stupid stars hanging, hanging in the sky. But you understand, creations like that to God, he just hangs the stars out in space. He is so so magnificent, so much infinitely larger than, than you can possibly fathom. I mean, me either. I mean, we think the earth is big, but we can't even imagine the size of the sun. And our sun is apparently not even a very big sun. 
I mean, what? It's not even a very big sun. There are objects in the universe so much larger than our galaxy. I, I can't even understand that. Quasars and black holes. And God knows about all of them. And, and the incredible power in the universe is just nothing because God just simply spoke it. He just said, let it be. And the universe exploded into existence. I mean, this is a God of such power. A God of such greatness. And you're more concerned about people? You live your life to please people? You're more afraid of, of, of people than this God who is your creator? I, I just love it. I, yes, I am the one who comforts you. Now, this is the weird part in this passage. Because on the one hand, it keeps blowing God up. It, it keeps magnifying God and his greatness. I mean, we're talking about the one who stretches out the sky like a canopy and laid the foundations of the earth. The foundations of the earth. And, and as big as he is, he just keeps coming back to that. And I'm the one who comforts you. That's the part that's so hard for me, that he goes from, from, from the bigger than the universe to, to back down beside me saying, I'm the one who comforts you. Now, if I'm learning the fear of God, this is sort of the part that sort of throws me off because, because I can fear the God who is big enough, powerful enough to lay the foundations of the earth, to spread out the canopy of the sky, but the God who comes up beside me so gently, so graciously, and simply whispers, I'm the one who comforts you. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. I am the Lord your God, verse 15, who stirs up the sea. He stirs up the sea. Okay, y'all know about the sea, right? The, the gigantic ocean. You've, you've seen your mama, you know, like maybe stir uh, a cake mix in a bowl. Okay, this is the picture. God says, I'm the one stirring the sea. You know, the waves, they come and they go. It's God who stirs that, the whole thing. I'm the one who stirs up the sea, causing its waves to roar. My name is the Lord of heaven's armies. And I've put my words in your mouth. I don't understand that. I'm just honest. I really, I'm not sure how to interpret that. I just love it so much. I've put my words in your mouth. We're very used to that being what God says to the prophets, to, to Isaiah personally or to Jeremiah personally. But... But this is a verse that's simply directed to the people of God that he wants to comfort and bring home. And he says to all of them, I put my words in your mouth. I, I don't know. I, I don't know all, all of what that means. I just know that, that somehow that must mean that when my mouth opens, God's word needs to come out. That, that it's his word in, in me. I also remember that as the creator, it is his word that, that is his power. It, it is God who spoke and said, let there be light, and, and there is light. So, so somehow when God puts his words in my mouth, he is letting me participate and share in his power. His, his, his power to... To, to make change in creation, his, his power to, to transform what, what is not in, in, into what should be. He, he gives that to me. He, he puts his word in, in my mouth, and, 
hides me safely in his hand. This great big God hides me safely in his hand. If if he's the one holding me, I, I want him big. If he's the one protecting me, if he's the one that is shepherding my life, And I love the way in all of his magnificence as he is magnified and exalted. I love the way he keeps coming back to me and to you and saying, but I'm the one who comforts you. I call you by name. You're mine. I hold you safely in my hand. Interestingly, if you can't fear him, if he's not great and awesome, so awesome that, that, that you tremble before him, then I don't know how you could feel all that confident in simply knowing that he's the one who holds you in his, in his hand. It is a big God, a great God, who holds you in the shadow of his hand. You can live your life as if people matter more than God. You can live your life as if they are more real than he is. You can put your trust in people, but understand there is no person alive who can say this. There's no one who can say, I spread out the canopy of the sky. I laid the foundations of the earth, and I hold you in the shadow of my hand. Nobody can say that but this God. So learn to fear him so that you will trust him. Any final thoughts? I did all the talking. I love you so much. We do have a family meeting. Uh, We will begin that at 7.15. I'd started earlier because I know some of us are worried about the weather. But tonight we have a very important, very important decision to make that that has to do with the Franklin campus. And I want to give all of them time to get here if if, if they're going to choose to come. I don't want to start without them. So let's have a prayer. Let's distribute the reports. Please take a look at that plan for Franklin's autonomy. Autonomy just simply means independence. We're developing a plan to move Franklin toward being its very own independent autonomous church, and that's a wonderful thing. Deacons, uh, Pastor Eric and I have all been working together on this, but it's for the church to decide. So that'll be before you tonight, along with a a recommendation from the missions committee and a a couple of reports to approve. It should not be a long meeting, uh, but again, we'll try to begin at exactly 7.15. We'll stand up. And be dismissed with a word of prayer. Chris Willingham, would you mind? Would you just dismiss the worship portion of our night?